Let's deal with Canada losing 95-86 to Serbia this morning. The Americans lost to Germany. So we do have the Canada-USA game on Sunday morning, but it's for the bronze medal. There's a lot to unpack here. Sean Woodley is, is here, host of Locked on Raptors podcast. Sean, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, you sound uh, chipper. You must have had a nap after the game. Oh, you bet I did, yeah. Uh, it was a sick old <laughs> behavior to wake up at 4.45, but I think it granted me the option to nap until 11.30. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, this game was, I mean, it had some of the elements from the other Canadian efforts, uh, but they just couldn't climb the ladder. They, they started out, uh, you know, down, a rally. To, they always seemed to rally to, to make it close, but got into foul trouble, which makes it hard to rally. I mean, it, it just didn't happen today, did it? Yeah, this was, there's a whole lot of things going on in this game. I didn't think they played necessarily a bad game. I just think Serbia played an outstanding game from their end, and they had a couple of matchup advantages, I think, that really gave them the edge. You know, Nikola Milutinov, the center, who was just kind of going off, he's six of six from the field, 16 points, 10 boards. Like, he's a very, one of the best players in Europe, one of the best big men in Europe, and I think that has been kind of, the thing that's popped up for this Canada team throughout this tournament is the lack of really good options at center. Kelly Olynyk has been a wonderful soldier for Canada, but he's more of a four, a stretch four at this point in his career. He's not going to go and bang with some of those bigger, uh, sort of more burly dudes that a lot of these European teams have. And Dwight Powell, you know, he hasn't been a huge offensive piece for the, this team. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been bad by any means. He's a good defender. He's a good team player. You know, he, he's a, a good playmaker and stuff like that. But when it comes to going up against these really sort of nasty dudes who are schooled, schooled in the European style of basketball, like a Militinov, I think that's where we've seen them kind of come up a little bit short. And that, to me, that's one of the biggest questions about this roster going into next summer is what does the big man depth look like? Can they get um, you know, Zach Eady to come along a little bit more in his development. Obviously, he's got a big year in college ahead of him at Purdue. Maybe we see some growth there. Um, you know, do they go and dip into a guy like Chris Boucher? Is he big enough for, and strong enough for the FIBA game? That is a really big thing. And I thought Militinov was really kind of, uh, you know, in addition to Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was just awesome. You know, I think he was really the guy who kind of exposed a lot of the matchup weaknesses that Canada had in this one. I think uh, most people that would watch that game would would uh, ask the question. So it's the uh, it's the no brainer question. If Jamal Murray's in that lineup, is it a different story? You know, it might be right. It, you just might have the offensive punch to overcome what was a really disciplined and well schooled Serbian defense, right? Like they were locked in. They were not giving Shea Gildas Alexander any room to operate. You know, he had nine assists in this game, but that speaks to how forceful Serbia was in getting the ball out of his hands. He only took eight shots. That's not what you want. You want maybe the MVP of the tournament taking 15, 20 shots. And if you had someone like Jamal Murray, a more sort of dependable guy who the the other team is worried about the ball swinging to, then maybe that is more of a consideration. You know, obviously Canada, much like a lot of these other teams. I mean, Serbia didn't have Nikola Jokic. All these teams are going to have their full rosters next summer. And I think Canada is going to come in as one of the three or four most talented rosters on paper, so that's really encouraging. But, yeah, definitely not having Jamal Murray in this one, combined with the foul trouble for Dylan Brooks, where, where you know, I thought that was honestly one of the big swing points of this game. The third quarter, yeah. Brooks comes out, hits two threes, looks really good. They were making this comeback, and then he picks up his fourth foul and has to go to the bench, and they just didn't quite have the juice outside of Dylan Brooks and R.J. Barrett, who had a good game, to really support a Shea Gildas-Alexander off night. 
Okay, so we go to the, the bronze medal game against Team USA, and I, I think everybody was hoping that would be the gold medal game, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, how do these two teams match up? Because they, they seem to be different versions of each other. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot like Canada, I think the front court depth and the center depth is probably the biggest concern for this American team as well, right? Jaron Jackson Jr. has had an awful run these last few games. The foul trouble, I mean, he suffers from foul trouble in the NBA routinely. Then you get the FIBA whistle going and the sort of more, uh, you know, touch fouls they're going to call. And Jaron Jackson's been basically a non-factor. They've had to roll with a lot of small lineups, Paolo Bancaro sliding into the five. And so I think Canada actually matches up better with the States than they did against Serbia or even against Spain in the last game of the group stage because they can go small, and they're very happy to do that. We saw that be a big sort of pivotal factor for them in that Slovenia game, for example, right, where they go super small. R.J. Barrett's playing at the five, but they have enough playmaking and enough size and wing defense across the board to switch everything and really make it work for them. And so I think against this American team, where they're going to have Canada as the best player on the floor in Shea Gildas-Alexander, I think the matchup is right for them to go and win a bronze medal, which would be as disappointing as this morning's game was, would be a massive achievement for a team that's never come this far in this high level, the best basketball tournament there is internationally uh, in their history. So I do think there's a very good chance that the bronze could be candidates for the taking on Thursday or on Sunday. Yeah, and even if that doesn't happen, I mean, this team is qualified for the Olympics in, in Paris next year. I mean, this is a major step forward for this program, and, and sometimes you, you learn from losses, and, and I'm not suggesting that, that they should lose against uh, Team USA, but, but I mean, I think everybody understands what, what, the, what the voids are uh, in terms of the roster. The program is fine, though, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be in pretty good shape. Jordi Fernandez really seems to kind of have gotten – in touch with these players, right, and has really kind of spoken to them and gotten through to them. The, the system seems to be coming through. And I think you really saw this in that game against Spain and then against Slovenia. You're seeing now the incredible talent that we know Canada's always had. We've been talking about this golden generation of Canadian players since Andrew Wiggins and Tristan Thompson were joining the league 10 years ago. You know, this the talent's always been there. It's been matching the talent with the commitment to the program and then matching the FIBA style of play, which is an entirely different ball game than the NBA. And I think you see a lot of the times, you know, talent is one thing, but knowing how to play the FIBA brand of ball, having the sort of long-standing continuity that a lot of these teams have. I mean, that Serbia team looks like they've been playing together for the last 15 years. And in many cases, like with these teams, that's how long a lot of these guys have known one another and have played with one another. And so I think you're now seeing – with the continuity, with the commitments they've gotten from star talent, with Jordi Fernandez coming in and hopefully being a bit of a, a pillar that they can kind of build this thing around, and combining that with the understanding of the FIBA style, we're really seeing the talent finally shine through, right? You know, you can have all the talent in the world. If you don't really know what you're doing on a FIBA floor, you're going to be in tough, and I think that's where we really saw Canada falter in their past attempts to qualify for the Olympics. So I think you're right. Just making the Olympics, that is what made this tournament a success Today, again, disappointing to lose in the semifinals when you can have a chance to maybe go on to a gold medal game, maybe even things more because it's Germany waiting for them in the final as opposed to the States. But uh, I think, you know, you can't be anything but pleased about this massive step forward for a program that has kind of been, you know, false starting a whole bunch over the last 10 years. And I think now you can probably set yourself up to expect bigger things from Canada going forward. Another thing, too, is, finishing high in this tournament, which is the most important tournament for FIBA rankings, 
when it comes to the overall point system, this is going to make it easier in future tournaments for Canada to get through group stages and qualify and go deep because they'll be in those upper pots, those higher tiers of seeding, and so they're going to get the easier draws instead of being thrown into groups with really good teams up at the top. Sean, with one game to go, who's the MVP of the tournament for you? Ooh, this is tough. I mean, Shea Gildas-Alexander has been totally fantastic. Maybe you, you don't want to give the MVP to someone who is not on the gold medal winning team. I think the fact that they're going to go the distance and play the full amount of games and get to a, a potential bronze medal, I still think there's a very real case for Shea to win the award. I think Anthony Edwards has been really good for the States, although I think everyone on the States is kind of very much the same level of good, and so no one really pops out as an obvious candidate. You know, you have, of course, Bogdan Bogdanovic has been just fantastic for Serbia. Really, really awesome player. A lovely FIBA player as well. Just fits the brand of, of, of the game so well. And if he goes out and has himself a game in the final like he did today against Canada, then he's probably looking at a pretty good case for MVP. And then you have Toronto Raptors legend, or soon-to-be, Tender Schroeder, who's been outstanding for yeah. Germany as well. Had a great bounce back after a really ugly quarterfinal game where they almost lost to Latvia. He shot like four for 26. He comes out. He has a really nice game today for Germany as they upset the States, and I think he's got a real shot. So I'd probably say the top three are Schroeder, Bogdanovich, and Shea Gildas-Alexander um, with, with you know honorable mentions on down the list to a guy like, you know, for example, Luka Doncic. You know, he, he was unbelievable when they were in the tournament still, and he's playing in the consolation games. He's going to be able to pass some stats. But I think those three guys, Schroeder, Bogdanovich, and Shea Gildas-Alexander, have got to be the three top contenders right now. Well, let's talk about Schroeder because he had that bad video where, where the coach uh, pushed him and he didn't like it, which I can't blame him for. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's had a star role on this team. And, and when you look at him, how do you plug him into the Raptors lineup? What do you see him doing with the Raptors? It's a really fascinating question, Jim, because, you know, I think he was not, like, the best fit for the Raptors as a response to losing Fred Van Vliet. He doesn't bring the same pull-up three-point shooting that Fred does. He doesn't change the way defenses have to guard the pick-and-roll the way Fred, Fred VanVleet does. And I think the idea of starting Schroeder is actually not that appealing to me because of the lack of shooting up and down this Raptors roster. You know, a starting lineup of Schroeder with Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertle, you had exactly one reliable three-point shooter in that group in OG. After that, you're really hoping for a bounce back from Siakam and some growth from Scotty. But Dennis Schroeder is not going to change your life as a three-point option. And I think if you look back, you know, last season with the Lakers, some of his most successful times, I think back to that season in Oklahoma City where he played in a lot of really guard-heavy lineups with Chris Paul, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari was on that team banging in threes. Most of Schroeder's best years have come when he's been surrounded by a ton of shooting and other ball handlers. And I think the best way to maximize him on this team would be to have him run with the second unit, sprinkle in a guy like Gary Trent Jr. or OG as sort of a staggered in starter. You have Grady Dick. You have potentially Jalen McDaniels, who's got some shooting upside. Try to you know load those second units around Schroeder with ball handling and, more importantly, three-point shooting so you can open up what he brings you as a driver getting downhill to the rim. And then I think that's probably the best way to use him. But to start him alongside Scotty and Pascal, OG, and Yak, I think, while on a talent measure, it probably he probably is the fifth-best player on the team ahead of Gary Trent Jr. Fit-wise, I think that could be pretty stodgy and leaves them you know, kind of sitting there with one shooter in a starting lineup in an NBA where shooting is kind of this amplifying thing. And I just don't think you can really have that. That said, you know, Darko Ryakovich, the new Raptors head coach, has a history with Schroeder from back that, in that season 
in Oklahoma City that I referenced, and maybe we see him start. And if he can shoot like he has so far in this FIBA tournament, then, hey, then we're talking about a new Dennis Schroeder. But it's worth noting he's had a lot of success in FIBA for his entire career, and he remains the NBA player that we know him to be, which is a, a perfectly serviceable backup point guard who's probably a little overextended as a starter. Sean, quick answer. Who wins the bronze? Who wins the gold? I will say Serbia wins gold and Canada wins bronze. I think that their matchup there uh, against the States is pretty favorable to them, and I think we're going to see a big game from Shea. Sean, nice to reconnect. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Jim. Anytime. Sean Woodley, host of Locked on the Raptors podcast. Uh, 